Cameron and Jake are lifelong friends that love video games, movies, and generally all of nerd culture. Very original, right? Jake, that's me, has recently achieved a dream of mine to move to Japan and teach English, so we stay connected by making this podcast. Each episode, you'll join us as we take a nostalgic look back at the culture that we so love. This is Region Unlocked. Welcome, everyone, to Region Unlocked, the awesome podcast about my friend Jake in Japan, myself in America, and talking about video games and stuff. Jake, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right, Cameron. All of our shenanigans are about to come to life pretty much through right. this podcast. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah. So first off, Jake, last week we, we put out our email address to get yes. some feedback from people. If you mm. would still like to send us feedback, that is unlockedpodcast at gmail.com. Jake, we've got some feedback. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have not actually posted anything yet so all feedback is from me and not from other people so let me tell you some feedback awesome let's sent, hear it sent in by by me <laughs> <laughs> um so i want to say last week i think was a good episode talking about super smash bros mm-hmm. however some things i think we could do better is not necessarily talk about things just because it was in the game like we don't need to go in has so many details so for example i feel like the back half got pretty boring and yeah. i probably should have edited it out but i think it's it's there for the the growing process okay but, so like specifically we were talking about the levels in super smash mm-hmm. bros and we really had nothing to say about them so it was <laughs> just like listing them and being like oh yeah i remember that so it was, it was just like <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes of, all right, move on, guys. Stop talking about this. So, <laughs> so let's just focus just on... In our rocking chair reminiscing <laughs> right. the old times. So okay. I think we need to focus more on like good conversation and not necessarily the facts just because they exist. Okay. Sounds good to me. I think that is entirely fair. All right. Before we start, uh, what's new? What'd you do in Japan well, this week? Well, this past week, I've been out exploring downtown Tokyo, specifically Shibuya Parko, which I visited several times. But this last time, I spent a lot more time at the Pokemon Center uh, as opposed to the Nintendo store. And there's a lot of cool Pokemon merch that you can get there, exclusive stuff and codes that you can unlock based on what they've got available. And this past time, they had a great big stock of the now highly in demand (laughs) um, graffiti Pikachu as we've been calling it so it's a Pikachu that's basically got a design of graffiti kind of like a street art design that a street artist uh, designed um, for the periodical Pikachu I like it and it was it was it's, it's pretty cool I bought several just to say that I have and they are proudly displayed around my awesome room (laughs) (laughs) i'm just wondering when when your time in japan is done or if it ever ends just how much (laughs) just how much like nintendo knickknacks you're gonna have boxes of that you have to like ship home or something oh goodness there's gonna be way too many hopefully i will find some very good friends i can pass this stuff on to or (laughs) perhaps give it away to an awesome uh, secondhand store where uh someone else can appreciate it before i leave if i ever do as of now, I'm enjoying it. It'll be it. <laughs> dangerous when I come visit. I'm going to want to yeah. buy so much crap. 
Well, you know what? You're, you're going to be the, the loading ground. I'm just going to give you a, a bunch of stuff that I don't <laughs> want anymore. <laughs> like, here's this Pikachu. Here's this Nintendo doohickey. All right. All right. No, cool. But yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy it here. You've been playing anything else? Did you find Pepsi Man on the PS1? Uh, I've been looking. Actually, yesterday I was out and about at some secondhand game stores, but I was not able to find any of the Pepsi Man games. Darn um, it. Probably because it was late and I didn't have as much time as I wanted to, but yeah. I did find a gotcha stand or a gotcha machine. You know what that is? A gotcha. Well, it's it's like a little capsule with a random toy in it oh, that you yeah. buy in Japan, and they're super, super popular here. But I did find a gotcha machine with Pepsi Man figurines inside. I should have bought one. Oh, no way. So he's yeah. like... Was it because it was second, like secondhand older stuff, or does Pepsi Man still exist? Uh, Pepsi Man still exists. It was it, it was new. Like uh, you you get the new little figurines, and it just happened to be a series where there was Pepsi Man in different poses, and you'd oh get a little um, <laughs> capsule with a Pepsi Man figurine in there. But yet still, it's still we here. just need to change this podcast to Pepsi Man Unlocked because yes, we do. It might be a better <laughs> podcast. The next episode, the quest to find Pepsi Man on PS One. Let's make a documentary about that. Of you trying to track that down. Okay, it'd be wonderful. I'm all for that. <laughs> we turn it into a motion picture later. I yeah. think that would be a great idea. Yeah, if you ever posted your <laughs> vlogs, then then we could see it. Yeah, if, if I ever did, <laughs> which I totally need to. I've still got a couple things in the works, which is great. So all right, it's in progress. But yeah, that's what's been up with me. How about you, Cameron? Uh, not much adventure-wise. I've been playing some more Resident Evil 2. I love nice. that game so much. Yeah. I finished Leon's campaign, and now I'm doing Claire's second-run campaign. So the game is like, hmm. Claire and Leon are both on adventure at the same time, so you're like seeing it from a different perspective when you switch okay. over to the other campaign. But yeah. it is good. It is scary. Not as scary hmm. the second time, because you've got strategies down on, on how to avoid things. But okay. I would highly recommend it. I know by the time people listen to this, the Resident Evil 3 will already be out. But I'm yeah. very excited to talk more about it. I know eventually okay. we'll get to Resident Evil 4 and we'll have things to say about that. But anyway, we're not here to talk about what's happening now. We're here to talk about things that happened so long ago that it doesn't even matter anymore. Or does it? We're talking about Pokemon. Pokemon, yeah. what a cultural phenomenon that all That's began so... back in 1996. Yeah, all the way back then in Japan, and it's still relevant today, very yeah. much so, even more so than it might have been. Yeah, and I was thinking about that. Why do you think that is? So I feel like, you know, it really, it came out strong, in in my own opinion, from what I saw, it was at its strongest between you know, red and blue and gold and silver. Mm. After gold and silver, I feel like uh, the interest, at least for our, our age group, had died off and then resurged like when we were in college. Mm. And yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? How, how did it affect you? Well, I think my personal experience was kind of similar. Um, I think in a lot of uh, kids' lives, there gets to be a point where it's just, quote-unquote, not cool to like right. stuff that you liked when you were a kid. 
and that kind of uh, tapers off for a little bit. But then, yeah, like once you grow up, you realize you can do that. You mm-hmm. get right back into it, and that's exactly what we did, I think. But it, it it came out strong, and it's still going strong today, like twenty years later, twenty plus years later. Yeah, I, I think, think you're exactly right. That yeah, yeah, it was. You know, it's it's our generation. I feel like that mm. Pokemon hit home with the most. So yeah. it came out in '96. I know it wasn't going super strong till I was like, I, I want to say nine is when I remember all the trading happening, which would have been 2000. So yeah. I guess it it went strong without me realizing it for a while, mm-hmm. and then it died out. And then as our you know millennial age group kind of hit college and that's around the time pokemon x and y came out and x and Mm -hmm. y kind of had that that nostalgic hit of you get to pick one of the starters again halfway through the game and then they had like the the mega evolution and i think that drew a lot of people back in just realizing oh i miss pokemon and i don't care what anyone thinks anymore yeah and i think it's been going really strong ever since then just because the older all so many generations care now Mm-hmm. As opposed to just the nine-year-olds back when it started. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's still appealing to the younger generations too, as mm-hmm. they're as they're coming around to get interested. And in I think for the same reasons, to be honest, mm-hmm. because it came out in Japan first in 1996, and then it had time before it came out in the in, in North America to really establish itself as a universe with like well-defined rules and in a whole, like, basically a whole developed world so that when it did finally come over here, it was, like, just something you could jump into, something you could lose yourself into, this this universe. And I think that was part of the appeal that it already had yeah. developed in Japan so that it, it was all ready to go two years after it started there. And people yeah, now that you say that, I, I didn't, for some reason I didn't remember that it came out in America in 1998. Yeah. I didn't realize it grew for two years over there. It did, and huh. it's still growing. <laughs> yeah. So if that came out in 98, when did the anime start? Oh, it started in 97. Mm. So we okay. were watching the anime before the games even came out. Yeah. Which is why I was always so confused when I finally realized that the anime is based off the game instead of the game being based off the anime. Huh. Yeah. I always thought that came first. Weird. Yep, and there was um, a videotape that got sent out to a lot of kids that talked. It was a promotional videotape. I got yeah. it, and I don't know if it was through Nintendo Power or something, but you'd watch it, and it was clips of the anime describing Pokemon. It was basically priming the kids to get ready for this card game and video game that was coming out. That's so would talk weird. all about it. Yeah, it, it was such a strange order to do things, but it was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> This Pokemon is very weak at birth. It can barely stand up. This Pokemon becomes stronger by stumbling and falling to keep up with its parent. It's Ponytop! Okay, well, before we uh, get too far into talking about the game, I want to just quickly talk about some of the facts of, of the Game Boy. So the mm-hmm. Game Boy was, was the vehicle for Pokemon and was the reason I'd say a lot of our generation got into handheld gaming. It really sold it for us. However, yeah. it, it actually came out well before that. 
So mm-hmm. the original Game Boy came out in 1989 and was created by Gunpei Yokoi. Mm. And this genius of a man, he actually started planning this out back in 1979, 10 years before that, when Whoa. he was on a, a train home from work and saw a businessman just bored playing with a calculator, just like huh. hitting buttons on a calculator. And that kind of gave <laughs> him the idea of, ooh, okay, handheld games. And that led to the development of the Game & Watch systems. Uh, you know, Mr. Game & Watch from the Smash Bros. games, he had a origin much before that, before Smash Bros. Yeah. of these simple yep. little games. I'm not, I'm not going to go too much into what those were, but they uh, came out in 1980. So one year after that, he was already putting out Game & Watch. Fun fact, the Game & Watch systems, that was the first thing that a D-pad existed on. So, oh, really? Yeah, Nintendo has the patent wow. for a D-pad. Like, they were the first ones to do that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Just last night, believe it or not, and slight uh, slight deviation here, and uh-huh. I, I should say a slight side road, I saw a couple of Game & Watch systems for sale, original ones, yeah. at a second-hand game store, and they were in a display case uh, yeah. going for over $150. US Holy cow. And they're very small. They're yeah. um, about the size of maybe one of those little tiny uh, LCD cheap games that you'd buy at a department store right. back in the 90s. They were not very big at all. So it was wow. neat to see those in, in living history. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I did not know they had the D-pad patented. Yeah. So anyway, the Game Boy came out in 1989. And it was Huge, because for the most part, it was producing Nintendo Entertainment System kind of quality of graphics, you know, mm. albeit uh, a green screen with no backlight. Yeah. So not as impressive as playing it on your TV, but still the ability to take that with you. Mm-hmm. And it had a battery life of 10 hours, which is incredible. Wow. Yeah. And it, it launched at $90. Real quick, okay. let, me, let me throw that into an inflation calculator. Yeah, it, okay. it was, I think for that reason, it was a lot more successful than some of the other competitors at the time because of the battery life. Yes, exactly. So the other competitors was the, the Atari Lynx, which was $190, and wow. the Sega Game Gear, which was 150 And the Game Gear was, hmm. was awesome. It had a backlit screen. It was pretty much a Genesis in your hands. Yeah. And they they still lost to the Game Boy, even though those were more like technologically impressive. Mm-hmm. I think the price and the games on it is what really sold it. So what I say, nineteen eighty nine? Wow, it's almost double actually. No, it's more than double. So apparently ninety dollars and eighty nine would be about a hundred and ninety dollars today. Oh my gosh. Which is crazy. How are we inflating Jeez. so much? But no anyway. <laughs> Still, that's that's significantly cheaper than the others, and I mm-hmm. think part of it was because it had great launch titles with stuff that people already knew well. So it had mm-hmm. Super Mario Land, which was huge, and Tetris, and okay. people knew those. They were already playing those on the NES, and mm-hmm. being able to play those handheld was awesome. Yeah. And so that made it sell, sell, sell. Unfortunately... Uh, the the developer or the maker Gunpei Yokoi, he died in a car accident in 1997. Oh, rest his soul. Yeah, um, but he he left 
quite the legacy, I'd say, creating the Game Boy. Yeah, sure sounds like it. And then, let's see, up to, you know, we're almost to when Pokemon came out in 96. Mm-hmm. The Game Boy Pocket came out in 96. Mm. Yes. And the Game Boy Color came out in 98. So the Game Boy Pocket, the Game Boy Color, they're they're really still just a Game Boy. They're not like the next generation. Mm-hmm. They were just, one had colored graphics, one was a little smaller. And the Game Boy Color was superior technologically. It did have twice the, its CPU was twice as fast and it had four mm-hmm. times as much memory, but it was still playing the same games. Yeah, and some were able to be played on both systems. Yeah. So this is what I remember the most was all my friends had a Game Boy Color. Yeah. Playing Pokemon. And <laughs> it's just funny <laughs> that there's no backlight and everyone, it was just standard to have like a little light that you plugged into your Game Boy that shined down on the screen. <laughs> yeah, like a third party peripheral. Uh-huh. We all had something like that and they all looked different and they were all cheap. <laughs> Except for <laughs> Japan. Japan released the Game Boy Light in 1998. Which was a backlit what? Game Boy. They didn't and release never... it anywhere else. Oh, that is not fair. Yeah. My life is a lie. It's just crazy that they, <laughs> they, they put out this Game Boy Light in 98 and then didn't use backlighting again until the advanced SP, you know, years later. So long later. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess not too long later, but still, that was a little while after. That's, that's so crazy. This is a Pokemon from the Age of Dinosaurs. It was regenerated from genetic material extracted from amber. It is imagined to have been the king of the skies in ancient times. It's Aerodactyl! Well, anyway, that is, that's my quick facts on the history of the Game Boy. So let's talk about why we're here, and that is Pokemon. So take it away, Jake. All right. Well, I'm here today to talk about Pokemon Red and Blue. Those are the first two Game Boy games to come out based around Pokemon. And uh, they sold rather well, (laughs) Red and Blue. They were basically the same game, but the difference was, well, A, the color, and B, the Pokemon that (laughs) that you could get right off the bat Right. when you were playing it. And um, I think that was the beauty of it. When you traded with friends via the cable or played with them, you could unlock uh, Pokemon that were more difficult to unlock in one game and then vice versa. That was part of the appeal there, too. Yeah. Everyone I knew wanted to get blue, but some of my friends wanted red. And it was always, uh, oh, did you get blue or did you get get red? You're basically on like a team or something. Not that that's changed much. (laughs) That kind of stuff is still going around. But anyway... uh, uh, Pokemon Red and Blue came out in February of 1996 in Japan, and then two years later, after it had been well established in Japan, uh, it came out in America. In well, it's Pokemon of... Green in Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then it came out two years later, 1998 of uh, September 1998 in North America, and then it came out even further after that in October of 1999 in Europe. Oh, so you've wow. got this three-year gap where this game is being periodically released around the world. So, yeah, word of mouth gets around, I suppose. Huh. And um, you would start out with your character that you would name, which I think a lot of people really enjoyed that feature of being able to put themselves in the game. 
Yeah. To, sure. you know, live vicariously in this awesome <laughs> universe where you go and collect little little animals, basically. Pokemon. <laughs> right. And you would start out with one of three starter Pokemon. You could choose between Bulbasaur, Squirtle, or Charmander. Mm-hmm. And that was, again, another point of conversation which would lead to a lot of talk amongst friends. Which Let's talk. Pokemon did you start out with? <laughs> who, who do you start with? Who's your, your go-to? <laughs> well, I always went with Bulbasaur, to be honest. Why? Just because, at the time, I thought he was adorable. He is. They're all adorable. Like Yes, they are. They're, yes, they, they are, are a tough choice of starters. It, it is they're tough to choose. They're all great, and their evolutions are great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that's the great thing about their evolutions is they become so powerful as you're progressing them along. Yeah. But I think I, so I always go with water types. Okay. Even though I think personally like Charmander is cooler and Charizard, but I... No, no pun intended. No, they're He's actually not warmer. a pun. They're hotter. <laughs> yeah, they're warmer. <laughs> <laughs> but Squirtle, I think the water types steamroll the beginning a lot easier throughout mm. the games because like the first gym is uh the rock type gym i believe mm. and water type decimates them i've always gone water okay cool beans <laughs> and then you'd uh, get your starter pokemon and be set off on your journey from pallet town and what the the um north american version did was they named all the towns after colors so you got pallet town which is the first one a pallet being you know a selection of colors and then you just go out to the different uh, colored towns, but oh, they were different like in a, Japanese. An art palette. Yeah, like an art palette. So I gotcha. There's the connection there, and so fun fact about that: the first region was called the Kanto region. Right. It is based on the real Kanto region of Japan, which is where I live in Tokyo. So if you look on a map of Japan, the Kanto region is actually the same shape as the Kanto region in. Uh, Pokemon. Wow, what, so, a, what a subtle Easter egg. Yeah, no kidding. And <laughs> it's one that a lot of people overlook, believe it or not, even though it's in the name. <laughs> <laughs> so you would go out and you would just go to the different gyms and defeat the gym leaders with your Pokemon that you would collect um, via a series of capturing, um, leveling up, and evolving and trading. Mm-hmm. And you would go to different Pokemon centers to heal them, buy items, and go on an adventure as you try to get all of the medals, per se. Mm-hmm. The gym badges. become a Pokemon master. Yeah, yeah, the gym badges. That's, <laughs> that's the correct <laughs> word. Wow. Yeah, the gym badges to become a Pokemon master all the way till the very end when you encounter a mysterious Pokemon called Mewtwo. Mewtwo. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little oh, okay. bit later. <laughs> so do you... Okay, quick fact... Uh, not quick fact, quick question for you do you remember getting the bike in this game uh probably so i'll say a quick quick history of of me playing the originals i never mm-hmm. had a game boy my first game okay. boy was the advance and okay. at that point pokemon wasn't cool anymore yeah. so the first time i actually played it was in college when i just downloaded an emulator and yeah. i would play it through all my boring lectures and mm. that was fire red so it wasn't even the original one it was the remake Based and on I, it, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it a lot. And I was like, wow, how, why did I never play this? And then it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I didn't have a Game Boy. And it wasn't cool when I did have a Game Boy. But <laughs> so to uh, the long way of answering your question, oh, 
Scientologist getting to be a long time ago, isn't it? That, that was probably eight years ago, so I don't really remember the, okay. the key details of that game. Okay, that's all good. It's all good, but you get the bike eventually, and that was right. when things really started to speed up. I yeah. Mean, literally, things would start to speed up. You could just <laughs> ride everywhere really fast. Yeah. And originally, I remember talking about this with my friends, the the price for the bike that you, that's in, in the store in game is like an ab it's an astronomical amount. Yeah, it's, it's like a million. Get. Yeah, it's it's insane. So eventually the bike is just given to you and you feel so cool because you just got this extremely expensive bike yeah. for free. Yay. <laughs> but it's little things like that that made the game really memorable. Talking about it with friends the next day when we'd play it. So we would um, always also be very scared of like the caves because you get these random encounters, and that's oh, another zoo thing. Bats. Yeah, the zoo bats. Oh, almost <laughs> as bad as the pidgeys in the ratatas when you're going through the grass. Right. But yeah, most of the game is just a series of fighting and upgrading and leveling and en- encountering slash running away from random battles that you get when you're out in the in the in the open world per se. Yeah. It, it was it was quite a fun game. This Pokemon is blindingly fast. Its blazing speed enhances the effectiveness of the twin blades on its forearms. This Pokemon's blades are so effective, they can slice through thick logs in one wicked stroke. It's Scyther! Scyther! I guess there's another fun fact that I can spin off of here. Have you ever heard of the missing no Pokemon? Yeah, I've heard of it. I don't remember the circumstance. Yeah, so eventually, in, it's complicated, but there is a sequence of moves and um, combinations that you can do to encounter a Pokemon. I say Pokemon in quotes because it's not a real Pokemon, but you will battle this Pokemon, and it's called Missing No. So that's mm-hmm. Missing, Space, No, period. No, and there's no, it, I don't think there's a space. Is, is there no space? I don't think so. Yeah, is there no space? It's Missing a Space, but I'm ting. Okay, anyway. <laughs> But yeah, the name is missing now, and it looks basically like a QR code, like a glitch of just a bunch of yeah. um, pixels, and it's not a real Pokemon, but you can fight it nonetheless. Can't you, like, you can manipulate that fight to duplicate items. Yeah, you can. In the amazing world of glitch hunters and, uh, and, and secrets, you can do that, essentially. But it's hard <laughs> to pull off. Yeah. It's mainly just there for show and mainly an Easter egg that was not intended to be an Easter egg, but it right. spawned a whole series of memes and just other things that relate to it. So yeah. if you ever get a chance, folks, look up the missing no Pokemon and check out how to do it. It's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done it? Uh, I did not do it. I had a friend once that pulled it off and okay. they were so excited to show us. <laughs> so we got to observe the whole thing. All right. But anyway, yeah, that's the extent of Pokemon Red and Blue. And then in the years following, they came out with other colors that would be basically the same thing. Yeah. Like the next game to come out was Pokemon Yellow, which, well, the theme was Pikachu. And mm-hmm. it was fun because Pikachu would be following you around. And it was yeah. being on the same engine as uh, Pokemon Red and Blue was. It was also on the Game Boy and I remember that one distinctly because Pokemon Yellow spawned a, uh, a, a few new cards to be added to the um, trading card game, mm-hmm. such as like Surfing Pikachu and Flying Pikachu. 
there was also a big sweepstakes that went around Pokemon Yellow, where if you would win this thing, and it only happened to a very select few, you would send your uh, your game cartridge into Nintendo Power, and they would upload a special surfing game onto it that you could play just for you. What? Yeah, it was a surfing Pikachu mini game, and if Weird. you won the sweepstakes, you could. <laughs> <laughs> you could have that. Yeah, it, it it was. And I'm sure there's a lot of disappointed people who never got to see it. I'm sure there's a few coveted videos of surfing Pikachu, of the surfing Pikachu minigame on YouTube somewhere. But um, I remember that distinctly and being very upset that I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about uh, the gameplay itself mm-hmm. and the goals. So essentially, it... It's been criticized for its simplicity as the game has gone on. You know, okay. when, it, when it came out, it, it was no big deal. That's just what it was. And so yeah. it, it is pretty simple. It's basically strategic rock, paper, scissors. Mm-hmm. This type beats this type. You know, yeah. grass is weak against fire. Fire is weak against water. And yeah. it's just kind of understanding what is what. Yeah. However, even though it has this you know, strategery of (laughs) rock, paper, scissors. You don't really need to follow it because you could just stick with your starter the entire game and still just steamroll everyone. By the end of the game, your Blastoise is so much stronger than even things it's not effective against that you still just destroy them. And like some people criticize because it's so easy and, you know, mm-hmm. at one point that was fine because it was necess- it was for kids. But then the series hasn't really evolved since then, and that's partly yeah, the reason point. why I haven't stuck with them too much. So mm-hmm. the first one that I actually played, you know, on the system and and not through an emulator, was Y of Pokemon mm-hmm. X and Y on the 3DS, which yeah. I loved, and it was like a cool resurgence of the game. And then I played. Alpha Sapphire after that, which was the 3DS remake of of Sapphire. Mm -hmm. And it was more or less identical to Pokemon Y. And it's like, this is kind of fun. But I I don't think I... I just beat the main story. I didn't even care to go on to the final four. (laughs) And then they're like, okay, well, here's Sun and Moon. I was like, oh, this looks the same. And then it eventually led to the most recent one of Sword and Shield. And... That game sold astronomically, but people sure complained about the lack of polish to that game. I see. So, so I mean, just, but what do you think about it? So it's just a lot of games coming out after games and movies coming out after movies. But I've heard I've heard the same thing that it's just all been a rewrapping essentially, right? Rebranding. You know, you just add new Pokemon, do the same thing over again, except things look different. Yeah. Yeah, n- not really adding adding anything new or spicy to the mix. And spicy. I think that was, yeah, spicy. <laughs> I think that's a lot of what at least our generation sort of fell into. We we like to default back to the original 150 because that's, that's true. what we grew up with. And that was <laughs> when it was fresh and new, which I've not seen that in a long time. I mean, Pokemon is great, but um, even all, gra- all great things eventually uh, <laughs> taper out at some point, I think. Yeah, that's true. So. I mean, as long as they're still reaching new generations that are enjoying it, then yeah, then I guess who cares? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And that's that's what's happening, I think. Yeah. But then uh, to follow the combat, the you know the next step is to try to 
catch Pokemon. So you mm-hmm. you fight them until they're weak, and then you throw a Pokeball at them, try to catch them with the ultimate goal of catching all 151 that are in the game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I understand the the collectathon mentality, the addictiveness of trying to catch all of them, and mm-hmm. that's where the phrase came from. Gotta catch Gotta them all. Catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase, the phrase that defined our childhood. One of them, yeah. I should say. Gotta so, catch them all. anything else that you want to say about the game? Like, well, what about Team Rocket? Team Rocket, <laughs> the villains. Oh, Team Rocket, yeah, Team Rocket. Bothered me. <laughs> I never <laughs> liked him. Well, at least in the show. <laughs> I forget. What was their goal in the game? What are they trying to do? What are they trying to do? They're oh, just no. trying to be mean. We're, give, we're doing a podcast and we don't even remember what the plot of the game was. Yeah, um, that is quite <laughs> sad. Oh, was goodness. their plot tied to Mewtwo in any way? Mm, that is, that's a great question. <laughs> I <All> don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, listeners who are screaming at us right now. Let me hop on Wikipedia, and I will tell you Yes, story. Oh, my gosh. We're still we're doing right. our research. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. like, you remember everything but that one detail. Oh, my goodness. I remember also playing the Pokemon trading card game. That one was probably my favorite on the Game Boy. Oh, where... so you're, you're talking about, like, actually... The digital version of the trading card game. Yes, the actual trading card game, Pokemon trading card game. The, so the you know how to play the trading card game. I do know how to play the trading card game. I know very game. few people, including myself, that know how to play it. Oh, oh sorry, not <laughs> including myself. I, it, for us, it's just the cards. Have the cards yeah. and, and that's yeah. it. I, I never played with physical cards. I played extensively, though, on the Game Boy. Yeah. with friends and myself and that's what taught me how to play it and it's kind of fun yeah i'm sure it can be extremely frustrating that game was probably one of the most frustrating i've had in a very very long time the trading card game itself is the game version of what you're doing in in uh, red and blue okay so it's, it's the same but different you've okay. got your coin that you flip you've got your turns and all that stuff This Pokemon consists of six eggs that form a closely knit cluster. The six eggs attract each other and spin around. When cracks increasingly appear on the eggs, it is close to evolution. It's Execute! Execute! All right, so I I found it on Wikipedia real quick. It's actually not detailed very well, but says, Throughout the game, the player will have to battle against the forces of Team Rocket, a criminal organization that abuses Pokemon. They devise numerous plans for stealing rare Pokemon, which the player must foil. There you go. Oh There's goodness. Team Rocket. They're just up to, you know, ne'er-do-well things. I'll say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're really trying to mess up your journey. <laughs> they're they trying to rock it. <laughs> okay, that was really bad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Pokemon Red and Blue and Yellow. And then the trading card game. Yeah, so let's move on from the game and talk about just kind of the cultural impact that it had. And mm. so, as you're saying, the biggest one, I'd say, was the trading card game. And yes. people trying to collect those cards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were kids, so we weren't really buying too many cards. We were really just getting some starter decks every once in a while for, you know, birthdays. And then would try to trade up from there. <laughs> yep. 
that was and, it. It was it was a whole culture. Yeah. So I remember when it started, I was I was very confused. It's like, okay, what is this? And I felt very left out. Oh. And I think this is it was around third grade and during bathroom breaks when we'd all be excused to go to the bathroom everyone all the boys were trading in the bathroom and they all had these huge stacks they'd ca- carry in their pockets and one kid he's like okay here i've got this extra bulbasaur you can have mm-hmm. it so that was my first card was a bulbasaur and i just i loved it i would look at it all the time it's like oh my first card and it's bulbasaur and it's great <laughs> <laughs> and then so then That's from there from there it got out of hand yeah everyone had cards we were constantly trading there was like this month span at recess where no one was on the playground we were just all gathered around the picnic tables just trading for half hour Mm -hmm. every day just like looking through each other's stacks and you know trying to get rid of our duplicates get new cards Mm -hmm. and it got to the point where we were trying we were trading like underneath our desks during class and the ultimate banning that eventually happened where Pokemon's cards are just banned from school. And I think yes. that was a pretty similar experience across the country. But yeah. What do you remember? What you just said right there was almost a carbon copy of what happened oh, yeah? in high school. Yeah, it was, it was insane. And it got to the point where there were arguments and fights and, you know, it was... It was there was this whole culture, this this whole like I don't want to say fiefdom, but some kids had like the really rare cards and the expensive decks that their parents would buy for them. Other kids had like almost nothing, and you'd always gravitate to the cool kids. Yeah, and yeah, just just this whole ordeal that did not stop. And then there were fights, there were there, there were arguments, and I remember I was the one who got Pokemon cards banned at my school. What? To be honest. Yeah, no, what happened was I was I was subscribed to uh, Nintendo Power at the time. And at one point I got a uh, free through them. I got a free E3 Pikachu, one of the Pikachu oh. cards that they would that they handed out at E3. Right. And I had this oh, terrible friend who um <laughs> who uh who tried to tried to steal it from me and tried to convince me that this rare Magnemite he had was was worth trading it for and I was I was an idiot and really didn't know what I was talking about so I was about to trade it never accepted and then the bell rang and he he stole it out of my hand and ran and uh, I did the only thing I could burst out crying Um, (laughs) (laughs) and essentially he had to give it back yeah. So uh, he was so mad at me, even though we never finalized the deal. This is why he was a terrible friend. And that was what got the cards banned at our school. So cheers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Kids are the worst. Kids can be pretty awful. Sorry if you're a kid listening, but you can be the worst. Yes, I, I was pretty <laughs> bad, too. So it's all good. I know what it's like. Were. Yeah, we were all terrible <laughs> at some point. So, so yep. During all, all the wondrous trading, I remember Pokemon, the, there was like toys and things that were being sold at Burger King. And mm-hmm. Burger King really kind of cashed in on this craze. And every Tuesday night would be Pokemon trading card night. Mm. And we would go, we actually did this for a while where we would just go there on Tuesday, it, eat supper. And then like at seven o'clock is when it was like free reign. And so a bunch of kids huh. would be there all like trading amongst each other. And I just thought it was so cool that this little community had 
had started because of this. And mm-hmm. so I remember there's this, this older guy there and he's going through my deck and I had a holographic Gengar. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, wow. Like my, my nephew, would, he loves Gengar. It's mm-hmm. like, what, what do you want for this? I've got a, a Charizard. Do you want a Charizard? And I was just like, are you, are, are you serious? What? A Charizard? Because, you know, he was famously like the most rare at the time. Yeah. And it's like, yes, yes, absolutely. He's like, okay, I don't have it with me. I'd have to go home and get it. And I remember it's like, okay. And he left. Uh-huh. And he was gone for a very long time. And this whole oh, time, yeah. this whole time I've got, you know, butterflies just like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get a Charizard. And then they slowly mm-hmm. fade to dread to where like, oh no, I don't think he's coming back. And even my parents are like, okay, Cameron, wrap it up. Let's go home. I'm like, no, he said he's coming back with a Charizard. <laughs> and he did eventually. Wow. And I got a, a holographic Charizard out of it. And I just, I could not believe it. And I was just th- thinking about the story. I was like, "Wait a second, did I get, did I get pawned here, or not pawned? <laughs> did I get screwed over here? Is <laughs> is Gengar actually more valuable?" So I was looking at some card values today, and mm-hmm. luckily, no, Charizard is still worth more than Gengar. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> but it's just so funny because I was so proud of that, and for years I'd tell people, "I've got a Charizard," and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I do too." I'm just like, "What?" Yeah. What? I thought this mm. was rare. Like, how do so many people have it? Oh, because some people had resources and some people had a, a, a ways to buy a lot of cards. I, I never had a Charizard until I was in high school. You have one too? Yeah. Uh. Well, I, I didn't get one until I was in high school. <laughs> and that was just so. through, like, looking through eBay and Amazon and stuff. Oh, you actually, like, went out with a purpose to buy it? I had to get it because that was the one card I always wanted but never had. Yeah. But... You know, what you just said right there, let, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about uh, how the value of these cards was sometimes based only on the looks on the pictures, <laughs> which is kind of the case, I think, in many regards. Some people just wanted the cards because they were cute or they looked cool. Yeah. I've and that, that was uh, that was a way to very sneak, sneakily get some cards <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> You'd trade with the people who only wanted the cards because of the pictures, and they would sometimes have very rare ones. Yeah. So Again, what would you say are some of your cards that you're most proud of? Mm, some cards that I'm most proud of. Probably that E3 Pikachu. I mean, it's not terribly valuable, mm-hmm. but it was probably the first cool off-the-beaten-path card that you couldn't get at stores that I got. And I was also super proud of when... The collection was complete. I had the Venusaur, the Blastoise, and the Charizard all together. Oh, cool. Just to say I was able to get that. So probably E3 Pikachu, that that whole set. And there was also the Surfing and Flying Pikachu. Mm-hmm. That took me a while to track down. So I really enjoyed those two. What about you? I'm just trying to think which holographics I had. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones off the top of my head, I, I had Charizard, Blastoise, Mewtwo, Gyarados... Mm-hmm. Machamp, because he was like a starter pack. Yeah. Um, Vaporeon? Was Vaporeon holographic? I think so. Mm, Vaporeon was holographic. Yeah, I think so. Polyrath and Alakazam. That might be it. Who's that Pokemon? 
When this Pokemon becomes furious, its blood circulation is boosted. In turn, its muscles are made even stronger. However, it also becomes much less intelligent at the same time. It's Primate! So this kind of transitions nicely to the movie. When the Pokemon mm-hmm. movie came out, oh my gosh, <laughs> the first you, movie. you had to go see Pokemon, the first movie. But it, part of the promotion was when you went, you would get Ancient Mew, the, yeah. the, the holographic card that you cannot read. It's all in like the ancient text. Yeah, it's in hieroglyphs and you can't use it either. Yeah, it's it's a nothing card. And I remember when this was advertised, I, for some reason I thought or knew that that Mew, Ancient Mew, is the rarest card to ever exist. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, we have to go see this movie. I have to get Ancient Mew. It is the <laughs> most rare card ever. And he's looking at me, he's like, they're giving it out at the movie? It's like, yeah. It's like, then it's not rare. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. This is the only way we can get this card. It's like, but they're handing them out? Yeah. It's, Cameron, it's not a rare card. <laughs> I just, I'm like, dad, you don't know what you're talking about. And then, you know, you go to the theater and they have like a a foot stack of these ancient muse that they're handing out to all the kids. Mm -hmm. And I still have it somewhere. I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, Yeah, now, (laughs) now looking back at it, it's like, okay, yes, it was not rare. A pretty paperweight. It it was. Well, a paper lightweight. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that that's mm, that's a time for you. Yeah, it looks cool. It does. And look you think cool. it's rare, but it's not at all. Definitely looks cool though. Pokemon the first movie. That movie was not received well by critics. Well, it, it's a kids movie. Yeah, <laughs> what, what are received well? It made a lot of money at the box office. I'm sure kids flocked to that movie, and yeah. it cashed. It cashed in. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I loved that movie. I was so excited to go see it. And it's actually, a a remake is coming out. A totally CG remake will be coming out on Netflix. I think it might already be out. No kidding. Is it like anime style? Well, it's it's completely CG anime. Okay. Um, All right. What's it called? Pokemon... So it's called Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Okay. And it's, let's see, release date. Oh my gosh. The, the graphics look good. It's crazy how good CG is. It hits Netflix February 27th. So by the time people hear us talking about it, it's already been out. You've already seen it. What'd you think? Was it as good as the original? Was it weird to see them all CG? To see Ash with teeth? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it, it looks be beautiful. We'll see. I'll definitely watch it when it when it comes out. Yeah, it does look pretty good. Hello, everyone. I'm going to interrupt this podcast with a message from the future. So, I just watched the new Pokemon remake, Mewtwo Strikes Back again. No, that's not what it's called. What's it called? Evolution, that's right. So, I just wanted to throw in my quick two cents about this movie. So first off, I did not remember this at all. So apparently it's about, it's pretty much a shot for shot remake of the original movie, but I have not seen that since that came out on VHS back in the nineties. So 
That being said, it was still a good looking movie. Like it's really pretty. The CG is awesome, but it just doesn't quite fit. And I've been noticing some reviews online that are talking about how it's kind of like this uncanny valley thing where it doesn't quite seem right. And I get that. It's like, I don't know. It's just like this weird copy. (laughs) It's like a clone of it without the heart, which is ironically kind of the theme of the movie at at some point. But uh, I want to talk about it because, boy, I did not remember this movie. The main thing I really remembered was Mewtwo lures them all to an island and has clones. And I didn't know why that was the case. And this movie doesn't do a great job of explaining it. I spent most of the time trying to think, okay, why is he making clones? What's what's the point of this? And it might just be going over my head, and I wasn't paying attention, but if it's going over my head, it's certainly going over kids' heads. So that's not the best. But like, there's a point where Ash steps out. He's like, "I, you can't do this. I will stop you. You, you can't get away with it, something like that. And it's like, Get away with what? Like, what's his big villainous plan here? Clones that are stronger? What is he going to do with them? I don't know. So, anyway, that's probably on me. Some other things I forgot. So, in the this final battle, Mew and Mewtwo duking it out. Ash decides to sacrifice himself, runs in between their blasts, and turns into stone for some reason. <laughs> to not remember that. And then... It's, you know, the most sad part of the movie is Pikachu's trying to shock him awake. Oh, yeah, sorry, spoilers. And it's to no avail. He can't shock him awake. And it's actually pretty sad. And I think it's more sad in the original animated version. And again, this movie just kind of lost some of the heart. But it is sad. And all the Pokemon start crying. And then all their tears heal him, turn him back to human again. And again, I was like, what... Where did this come from? This Pokemon's never been that much about magic. Like I understand Pokemon have powers and all that, but this is just like straight up weird magic. But apparently that was mentioned near the beginning of the movie, but I tend to zone out during heavy expedition exposition dumps and uh missed that apparently. So Pokemon Tears heal stone people. Fun fact. Um so the last thing I want to say is as I was researching this there is actually kind of a very different cut of this movie. So apparently in Japan, it was received very differently. And then they made some changes based off of based off of like the US critique of this movie or something like that. So here, let me read you something real quick from Wikipedia. So here was the initial reception. So in Japan, Mewtwo Strikes Back was positively received with praise directed at the film's emotional impact and exploration of ethical topics such as cloning and genetic modification. However, the English-language version received generally negative reviews from film critics, with much of the criticism pointed at the poor voice acting, duh, and the anti-violence message in a film about Pokemon. Which, yeah, that's kind of a good point. Like, it's weird to have feelings for the violence in it, but that is what Pokemon is. Further retrospective criticism has been targeted against the removal of Mewtwo's original origin story in the English release. So this, I didn't know there's an origin story, and it's actually really weirdly dark, and it's pretty important to kind of understand Mewtwo's uh, motivations. So 
Here, let me read you this next paragraph. So scientist Dr. Fuji is hired by Giovanni, leader of Team Rocket, to utilize his expertise in cloning in order to create a living weapon based on an eyelash from legendary Pokemon Mew. So we know that. Fuji is revealed to be allying with Giovanni as a means to fund his side project, the resurrection of his deceased daughter, Amber. Did not know that. In a laboratory... The weapon eventually gains sentience and is named Mewtwo. Mewtwo befriends the salvaged consciousness of Amber, named Amber 2, as well as the clones of other Pokemon in the laboratory. So these other Pokemon are Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise. They were his original friends, which is why he brings them back as clones later. However, Mewtwo is left deeply traumatized after Amber 2 and the rest of the clones decompose and die. In order to stabilize him, Fuji tranquilizes Mewtwo, causing him to forget the time he spent with his friends. Like, holy cow! Why was that? Why was that taken out? I mean, I understand that's pretty dark for a kids' movie, but that's so crucial to kind of understanding Mewtwo and his dark origins. Because other than that, it just seems like it's like, oh, you made me, and I, but now I don't know my purpose, and so now I'm just angry and. Again, I could be just reading into things too much or too little. I don't know. But I will say, I really like Mewtwo's final quote in this movie. I think it's it's very inspiring. So Mewtwo says, I see now that the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. Which I thought was just a really awesome line to end this movie on. Yeah, so there's my my quick recap of the Pokemon movie and the CG rendition of it. Honestly, I think it's worth watching just because it'll hit you with some nostalgia. But I think after you watch it, you'll immediately want to just go watch the old one, which I think I'm going to go do that very soon. So sorry to distract with this movie rant. Let's get back to past Cameron and Jake. Take it away, guys. This Pokemon swam underwater to hunt for its prey in ancient times. The Pokemon was apparently evolving from being a water dweller to living on land, as evident from the beginnings of change in its gills and legs. It's Kabutops! Kabutops! So some other cultural things. Uh, right before we started talking, I watched the Pokemon Pikachu's Vacation, which <laughs> aired before the movie when he went to see it in theaters and it's just so fun. Basically the premise <laughs> is Pokemon get dropped off in this little Pokemon park to hang out while the trainers are busy. And so the main bunch of, you know, Pikachu, Squirtle, Bulbasaur, Charmander, Oh no, Charizard at that time. <laughs> and Psyduck and Tokopi, they go to have fun. They encounter a rival gang, which is like Raichu, Cubone, Snubble, Meryl and they just get they get in this beef and they are competing against each other but ultimately they band together because Charizard gets his head stuck in a pipe and they all have to pull him out and it's so sad Charizard he just he's enraged trying to get out and he eventually just like gives up and starts crying as he's stuck in this pipe I was like oh my gosh get Charizard out of there this is so sad it feels strained one thing Power I liked about friendship. this, oh, I know, friendship <laughs> is the best. If you're stuck in a pipe, I will gladly pull you out. Thank you, even if it's in Tokyo. Yes, oh, you'll have to wait 
a long time for me to get there, but I'll, I'll get there. It's okay. I'll get my Game Boy out and reminisce. Not if your head's stuck in the pipe and your hands aren't. Oh, it's anyway. going to be so boring. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting <laughs> in this movie and in the anime how they kind of slowly transition to second generation without, mm. without you know, straight up saying, okay, this is Gen 2 now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Snubble, Meryl, Tokopi, yeah. they, they were just there. And the mm-hmm. anime kind of did that. It just started just kind of peppering in Gen 2 Pokemon, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Gen 2's here. And I think that did a really good job of transitioning and, you know, kind of making it feel like all one cohesive universe instead of, like, abruptly changing over from Gen to Gen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another weird thing about it is that the movie had like this mix of modern like 2000s music in it that like had never been in the anime before yeah and it it was just this weird juxtaposition of music and anime that didn't really go together but i liked it because it made it feel you know different made it kind of stand out made it more movie like but it's it's a dramatic movie Mm, me too making clones and them fighting each other mm. but speaking of fighting each other the the moral of the story in pikachu's vacation is that pokemon prefer to cooperate with each other and get along yet we oh. make them fight each other <laughs> oh that is that is deep it is deep oh my goodness so the power of friendship wins it does until someone tells you to go fight your friend, then it's over. Two more things I wanted to talk about. Did you ever watch uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon? Uh, or, no, I Do you not. know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Okay, <laughs> so this was amazing. This was ooh, probably 24. 14 2015 this cultural phenomenon happened where someone programmed pokemon red to be operated through the twitch chat so there's this live stream and throughout the stream it's just people typing like left right a b start select and so the community is trying to beat pokemon i would just like leave it up in the background so i'd be like working on my thesis or something and have it on my second screen just watching red walk in circles, but slowly, very slowly make its way through the game. And it was just, it was hilariously entertaining. And it spawned a bunch of memes based off of things that happened in the game, like um, praise the Helix fossil. Have you heard that? <laughs> no. So, <laughs> Lord, Lord Helix or something like that. Because um, constantly people would like press start or select or something and click on the helix fossil and it's like oh you can't use that now and so it's like consult the helix fossil and <laughs> then there, there's it's all like uh imposed oh, the over the 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 spongebob meme of you know consulting the magic conch, the magic consulting conch. the helix fossil um <laughs> that is such an internet community thing to do right there wow and there was i remember there's one dramatic day where they accidentally set free like five pokemon and whoa it it was pretty dramatic snap google says it took 16 days seven hours 50 minutes 
to, to beat it. And that was being streamed constantly for those 16 days. There's a certain hmm. point where the creator had to implement a new system of voting. Mm-hmm. So in particular, the Team Rocket base, you know, where it's got all those switches on the floor that sends you, it's like a switch maze where yeah. you're getting spiraled all over the place. That was literally impossible the way it was set up. So he had to put in a voting system where uh, it would gather, everyone would vote like A or B and or left or right and whatnot. And gotcha. then it, would, it would wait like five seconds and then input that. Otherwise, mm. there's no way they would get through that base. Okay. But they did mm. it, and it had, let's see, how many viewers did it have in its prime? So it had an average viewership of 80,000. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, my and gosh. That was, a, that was a lightning in a bottle moment that couldn't be captured. No kidding. This Pokemon is terrifically strong in order to constrict things with its body. It can even flatten steel oil drums. Once it wraps its body around its foe, escaping its crunching embrace is impossible. It's the, the one more thing I want to talk about was just Pokemon Go in general. Mm. So when Pokemon Go came out, that was a crazy cultural takeover. Mm-hmm. Everyone was playing it everywhere you went. It was just so cool that Pokemon felt real for real a little again. while. Yeah. And people are cooperating. They're going out hunting Pokemon. Um, I'm lucky enough to live close to Purdue, and Purdue is full of the Pokestops. And like we would just spend, we would go out there once a week and just walk campus and see other people playing and just mm-hmm. having a great time. And yeah, I, I mean, there's not too much to say about it. Favorite memories would be there was exclusive Pokemon based off region. So, mm-hmm. like, America had Taurus, Japan had Farfetch'd, Australia mm-hmm. had Kangaskhan, and Europe had Mr. Mime. So I was super excited when I went to London and was able to catch Mr. Mime <laughs> and come back. And I caught a few extras so I could trade them to people. Nice. And yeah, that's Very cool. nice. Yeah, that is. Yeah, some of my best memories with that are just going out and hanging with friends, yeah. walking around and catching. Yeah, I haven't played as much since I completed the original 151 Pokédex. Mm-hmm. So the rest I just, I'm not as attached to. Mm-hmm. But still, what a, what a time it has been. And it's still going strong. Actually, 2019 was their most profitable year. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, they finally added some new things to the game and new updates and features that are keeping people going. It's, it's definitely strong here. You see yeah. a lot of people still playing here. I'm sure Tokyo sure. is a great place to play. It's quite the hub. Very cool. It's quite the hub for Pokemon Go, especially on the trains and train stations and such. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Pokemon, amazing cultural revolution. It's still going strong. It <laughs> certainly is. So I think that does it. That, that pretty much does it for the impact that Pokemon had on, on us and our lifetime and as kids and how it's hitting right now and yeah honestly i just i don't foresee it slowing down it's still having record sales every time a new game comes out and Mm -hmm. you know you're still buying stuff at the pokemon store and (laughs) it's it's just wonderful it's so wholesome even though you know some people would argue that it's not wholesome it teaches evolution and animal fighting okay get over yourself yeah, it's a it's game. A fun, it's fun. <laughs> cute game with awesome mm-hmm. characters. 
So a great universe. Speaking of characters, are you ready to do our top fives? I am so ready for this. All right. So for our our top five challenge, which we still don't have a name for, please send us a good name suggestion for what we should call this segment. The top five challenge. Top five challenge. So we are going to make a list of our top five Pokemon. And for every Pokemon we have in common, that's one point. For everything that we have in the exact same numbered position on our list, that is three points. I think right now our record is four points, which is not Mm. great. And we handicapped ourselves a bit today with this challenge because, you know, there's there's some standards that would automatically be on most people's top lists. So mm-hmm. we've gone ahead, gone ahead and we have taken out the starters and their evolutions, mm-hmm. Pikachu, Raichu, and Mew and Mewtwo. Yes. Because we figured those are all too cliche. Let's dive a little deeper and look at our top five Pokemon of the original Gen 1, excluding those few. Yes. So, Jake, I don't know about you. This was very tough to make this a was, list and yeah, justify the order. Same here. I had to really look at this and redo it a couple times, but I think this is a pretty reliable list that I've got okay. right now. So. All right, I'm excited. So let's See dive in. Match up. <laughs> Jake, what's your number five? My number five is Articuno. Articuno. Yes. Why is that? Articuno, because of the legendary birds, Articuno is my favorite simply because not only was Articuno blue, but also water based. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did you notice that the legendary birds are Spanish for one, two, and three? Yep. Articuno, Articuno. Zapdos, Zapdos Moltres. Moltres. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres. And that's only in English. The names oh, really? are completely different in Japanese. I don't remember uh, Zapdos and Moltres, but Articuno is actually Frieza oh. in Japanese. They have nothing to do with... This isn't even my final form. Yeah. This is... <laughs> Actually, a lot of Pokemon have completely different names in Japanese. Like I didn't realize that. That aren't even related to the English versions. Huh. So, right. yeah, Articuno. What's your number five, Cameron? My number five is Vaporeon. So I chose Vaporeon mostly because... Vaporeon was my first starter pack, I should say. Mm-hmm. So my first deck of cards was the Vaporeon starter pack. It came with the holographic Vaporeon. Mm-hmm. And again, I like water types. And I think it's the most visually interesting of the Eevee-lutions. Mm. What is your number four? My number four is Gyarados. Gyarados, not on mine. <laughs> <laughs> why, why Gyarados? Gyarados, the evolution from Magikarp to Gyarados is what I consider to be one of the most stark contrasts ever. Because you've got you've got Magikarp, who's got this reputation of being just almost useless, uh-huh. um, and I think that was cemented <laughs> in the anime series. And then once it turns into Gyarados, you've got this insane sea monster that right. is massive and powerful, and what I always like that. Yeah, what a plot twist. I've always <laughs> liked that, and for that reason, Gyarados was always one of my favorites. Yeah, I agree. It's not on my list, just because I, I have this thing where I try to avoid cliches, mm-hmm. which ultimately loses us points in this game. Yeah. yeah. Gyarados <laughs> is pretty awesome. 
but I went with Alakazam as number Alakazam. four. And I like Alakazam just because the you know that evolutionary chain, I think they're just really unique and they're cool psychic types. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny because Alakazam is so powerful and intelligent. It's like, okay, so h- how do we control you? How mm. have you not killed everyone? How yeah. are humans still the dominant race here? <laughs> Fun fact, I looked at the Pokedex entry here on Pokemon Go for Alakazam. Mm-hmm. And it says, his brain continually grows, making his head far too heavy to support with his own neck. This Pokemon holds his head up using its psychokinetic power instead. Whoa. So he's like levitating his own head. That's crazy. Yeah. That's deep too. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not on my list. All right. Strong start. Can definitely appreciate. All right. So my number three is Machamp. Machamp. Not on my list. Man, this is rough. Yeah, this is, so, this is going bad. Why Machamp? Because my first deck was the Pokemon trading card game starter deck. And Machamp okay. was in all of them. So he was there for my first holographic card. All right. So similar and, reason to my Vaporeon. Yeah, I guess similar reason. And uh, I remember having to keep that one very safe because a lot of people wanted him from me. Or at least when yeah. to trade him. And, no, he definitely had a, a cool background to his card. Yeah. The, it was like the, this um, colorful explosion behind him. And it was almost like a rotating kind of a spinning effect too. Yeah. So my number three is Psyduck. Ah, Psyduck. <laughs> Psyduck, mostly just because he's hilarious in the anime. Yeah. Just get, <laughs> getting his headaches and oh, Psyduck. <laughs> he's just so ball. great. He's so <laughs> lovable and silly. Yeah. And, and that's it. That's Psyduck is, he's a funny Pokemon. I like him. Is he on your list? He, he's not on my list. Oh, man. We got to come in clutch here at the end. Yeah, Can we is, get the top two in the same order? This is tough. But even so, there are 150, a little less now. <laughs> but that, that is true. a lot. All right. What's your All two? Right. So my number two is Porygon. Porygon, not on my list. Porygon, because Porygon was unique. Uh, that was the one Pokemon Definitely. that had a banned episode because of um, issues seizures, with seizures. right? <laughs> yep, because of the flashing lights. And yeah. it's the one Pokemon that exists only in the digital world, or at the time it was. So, so Jake, we're talking Pokemon, not Digimon. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, haha. So tell me, Jake, is, mm. is Porygon racist? Is Porygon racist? Because yeah. of the pronunciation? Right. Well, ah, that's a great question. Because in Japanese, it's literally porygon. Because uh-huh. in Japanese, R and L are the exact same sound. So that's, so that's how they translated it. Maybe because the name's supposed to be polygon. Right. They just wanted it to sound different, per se. <laughs> I think it's a little racist, but whatever. My number porygon. two is Haunter. Oh, yeah. I remember Haunter. <laughs> So I like Haunter just because he has a, a very cool ghost design, this mm-hmm. floating ha- head and, and floating hands. And the the ghost episode of the anime is by far one of my favorites, where mm-hmm. he encounters Ghastly Haunter and Gengar, uh-huh. and they just play pranks on him the whole time, and they're laughing 
saying their name. Haunt, 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 haunt. <laughs> and he goes there because he needs to beat a psychic trainer, and he needs a ghost type, and he convinces Haunter to come help him. But mm. Haunter is not the most reliable helper in that fight. But okay, very entertaining episode. And huh. of the three, I thought it was a little tough. You know, do I choose Haunter or do I choose Gengar? But I think Haunter's just a, a little more unique and funnier. Go on. Do we at least have our number one in common? We will see. But if not, I guess there's no hard feelings, right? <laughs> we'll, okay, we'll so see. number one, drum roll, ditto. Ditto! I mean, ditto. your no, ditto could ditto. be my number one if he takes his form, but nope. Holy cow, we scored a zero today, but go on, tell me why ditto. Well, um, Ditto is my favorite right now because it is morphing into whatever your number one is. So oh. we get, you know, <laughs> no, I like Ditto for that very reason. It, Ditto is fun. Like, yeah, it can look like any Pokemon. And just that just made it the coolest thing in the world for me. And it took me a while to track down that card when I finally oh, yeah. traded for it. People were very confused as to why I wanted it so much. But that's Ditto oh, for cool. you. Yeah. In Japanese, it's Metamon. Metamon, like metamorphosis yeah. or something like that? That's my guess. All right. What's so your number my, one, my number one, I guess I shouldn't have spoiled that it's wrong. We've, I've diffused all the tension. So maybe it is Ditto. No, it's Who not. Knows? My number one was Arcanine. Okay. So I just, I really love Growlithe and Arcanine. I just can't really necessarily describe why. I think it's just, he is awesome. He's a giant dog that breathes fire everyone loves dogs and arcanine was a great pokemon to ash in the anime yes arcanine is a fantastic number one i completely support that all right thank you you are very welcome i don't know i I guess that's it i think so i think we've covered just about everything we can right yeah pokemon what a just what an experience Mm. i think we are both better off for having enjoyed Pokemon in our lives. I'm sure a lot of the listeners feel the same way. Mm. And if you don't, why did you listen this far into the episode? <laughs> this point. <laughs> yeah, it might have weeded everyone out who <laughs> who hasn't, right? Yeah. That's funny. All right, so let's wrap it up. So for those of you listening, we sincerely appreciate the fact that you are. Mm-hmm. And podcasting is hard. And we are learning a lot every time we sit down to do this. Bear in mind, it's even harder that we're separated and doing this Mm -hmm. over Skype because it makes it hard to have good conversational flow, for one, because of the slight delay in -hmm. our dialogue. And because of that, it's easier to kind of focus on, all right, I'm going to speak for this amount, and then then you're going to speak, and it makes it tougher to actually, you know, bounce back and forth off each other. But I hope it is interesting to you. I hope that we are making it better as we go. And I think we have, we still have some awesome episodes ahead of us in this, in this nineties timeline that we're talking about. So we still got super Mario 64, Ocarina of time, Banjo Kazooie. Mm -hmm. There's stuff that we are super excited to talk about and hopefully it will come across very well to you. Yes. We do this because we love it. And we love each other. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I do miss you. Miss you too, man. 
but this has been a lot of fun so far, so I hope to keep doing it and really get the ball rolling. Yeah, me too. So if you have anything to say, any questions, any discussion topics, please feel free to email us at regionunlockedpodcast at gmail.com. We uh, look forward to hearing from you and your impressions and, and what we could do better, hopefully worded very nicely towards us. <laughs> <laughs> we would appreciate it. Any kind of feedback, any positive, negative, constructive criticism, whatever you want to say, just shoot us an email, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. So with that, this has been Region Unlocked. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. And get out there and go catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Pokemon! Metapod, metapod.